said it's an early bird special day, Dan. We'll get you out of here in time for dinner. I don't know. Is 6 o'clock okay for dinner? Whatever we got to do, JB. Prime Dynasty football season right now. All right. Buying the hype. Next week. We already we already have like next week's shows. Uh, next week's show laid out. Next week we said we're going to talk about some tight ends. Maybe some guys we were worried about. But right now, there's a lot of scenarios that we want to discuss. Some of them certainly higher profile than others, but situations we want to discuss tonight, and they're all training camp buzzworthy conversations. All right. So let's start off here, Dan. And this is one where there is no middle ground, right? There is no compromise. You are either a Trey Lance guy or girl, or you're on team Brock Purdy. I want to know your thoughts on the 49ers quarterback situation here. This is a fascinating one and uh, on many levels. And I, this is one I, I could be wrong on. Not that I'd ever be wrong, JB. No, you've I, never been wrong. I, I could be, but I go back to the end of last year. Now I, I think the Niners are, going with Purdy, not that that's breaking news. But when you look back to last year's games, and I was watching them, I watched them defeat my Dallas Cowboys. I watched them, you know, have their quarterback um, playoff struggles, the Niners. Purdy seemed to fizzle a little bit. You know, like, like they were like kind of these game management. The offense was starting to struggle a little bit when the competition picked up. And there's that little part of me that feels the Niners don't have their quarterback of the future on this roster at all. I think for this season, for dynasty purposes, if I'm a betting man, I think Purdy gets the first chance. And I think Lance and Darnold, their plans B and C, and a possible trade somewhere if two of those guys could step up just to stabilize that quarterback room enough. And Lance would probably be the guy we think would get traded because he's got that recent draft capital athleticism. There's some GM out there that is going to have a quarterback problem at some point. So, you know, if you're making me pick a guy, it's, the, it's Purdy for the Niners. I think he does what Kyle Shanahan wants to run that offense. And there's so much talent around it. Even if I don't think Purdy's the guy long-term, I think he could have a very fine dynasty fantasy football season. Yeah, it's it's really intriguing. Like I said, it's a very divisive conversation. And, you know, I think for the most part, no matter what the scenario is, and in this one, obviously, in particular, it's the 49ers quarterback, I feel like everybody feels like they have to pick a side. Right. And okay, I have to plant my flag on one of them. Sometimes it's okay to just avoid a situation altogether. You know, I'm going to use an example with uh, Deshaun Watson. And this is something that Mitch brought up several times. You don't have to go out and acquire or sell. You know, you don't always have to take part in the conversation. But I agree with you. I am. You know, I recently I've moved Trey Lance down one more tier. I kind of had him hovering around that. What would I be willing to pay? Sure. Give me the upside for an early 24 second, presumed early 24 second. But now I'm at the point. Give me the early 24 second in any situation. There are certain things that need to happen for Trey Lance to be fantasy relevant and, you know, I'm not saying it's necessarily his fault. I, you know, injuries, just he's been plagued with injuries. He's, he has what, 500 throws 
going back to high school, right? Like, like through all of college, through his, his time in the NFL up to this point. And the 49ers, they show us that in that Shanahan scheme, in that offense, anybody is, you know, the the guys that they have fill those those gaps and those roles at quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, you know, it's those those system quarterbacks. You said game manager, and I think to an extent that's what they need in this offense. You have guys that just yak monsters. Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk is just getting more and more hype every single day that passes here with the Niners training camp. They just need a quarterback that's capable. And I think with Brock Purdy, he gives them that. But I, I agree with you to an extent. Do they have the, maybe not necessarily the quarterback of the future is the way to look at it, but the quarterback that can take them to the next level. Yeah, and it's hard to get it you know, a starting quarterback in the national football league. So even if he's not necessarily the quarterback of the future, that next level might be enough for Purdy to give you two, three years. Um, and I think a lot of the people you mentioned, JB, the pick and size, and it's kind of like, gets a little, you know, heated there. Some of it's probably a little biased because of their own individual investments. If you have the draft right. capital and Lance, you're banking on the reason you liked him on draft day. If you were that guy that, you know, snuck that trade or had that great white waiver find on Purdy last year, you're buying it. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. I choose to go the other way that you mentioned and choose neither side. I made a trade recently in a league that you and I are both in, a 14-team league. It was a little bit of a controversial trade because for the pieces around the trade, I went from Purdy to Ritter as my third quarterback. Maybe second, depends you know how, how you view my roster. But you know I was dying to get off Joe Mixon. Mm -hmm. And I, I traded Brenton Strange and Trey Tucker dart throw guys, you, you know, in with the deal and in a future third. And I got James Cook, who I coveted as, as a running back to replace Mixon. I got Irv Smith, who gave me a second tight end, who I'm a little bit higher on in that Bengals offense with Joe Burrow. Because there's no other tight ends there, in my opinion. Jerome Ford is a prospect. And I'm relying on Desmond Ritter being Brock Purdy. With that similar Atlanta talent of Bijan Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts, like I'm super high on those guys in Dynasty. And today, Atlanta ownership gave gave a little bit of a, a you know punch in the arm there to Ritter and says we see him as our quarterback of the future. So right. that's just my little stance. And again, I could be wrong. I might be hating that trade this year if Ritter you know doesn't pan out and Purdy with all that talent and an organization that's proven to find a way to make things work. Um, it, it could be a tricky one, but it was a fun one for me. From a pick perspective, I'm assuming in a 12-team super flex, let's say two PPR for tight ends, you would take any 24 first for Brock Purdy if you have Purdy on your roster, right? 100%. And I think the answer is the same for Lance, correct? 200%. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we're not all that far off. Uh, I see Kyle in the chat. Jeff, Mike, Greg, what's going on, everyone? Mixing up the times, but still some people trickling in. I like it. You got to keep people on their toes, Dan. You said, oh, JB, did you put a tweet out? Let people. No, 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 no. They'll find us. They're, they're, they're find on the us. ball in the Discord there, you know? So I think we're I know they the, the afternoon crowd here who's liking this time. Now, let me ask, because I don't want to completely ignore Sam Darnold, because it sounds not only does he kind of have his little cult-like following, and I think people just kind of cheering for that redemption story, the underdog, if you will, uh, highly coveted and then fizzled out. What percent chance would you put on him? Maybe not being the week one starter, because I, 
I would be very surprised, barring a setback from an injury, that Brock Purdy's not the week one starter. But what percent chance do you give it that Sam Darnold sees the opportunity here uh, throughout the 2023 season? But like I was saying, it's it sounds like he might be filling in that that quarterback two spot in that quarterback room right now. Yeah, I'd say there's a good, you know, 25 to 33% chance there. You, you split these in thirds. I mean, if the Niners, and we don't know what's going on in those meeting rooms, but if the Niners are saying, hey, Lance is not our guy, and we know that, or we're very skeptical, but we're trying to squeeze what we can th- this offseason here and, and, you know, get some good reports out there, maybe move them. We saw one report about Purdy, and I don't know, they might just be steaming up stories in Twitter, you know, the ball coming out of his hand right, and right. stuff like that. Um, so an injury to, to Purdy, or if he's nothing more than a game manager, there's that little part of maybe those Sam Darnold truthers, or, you know, God, this guy was supposed to be so good with Kyle Shanahan coaching. Could he get over that hump? Because he did manage Carolina last year. You know, he wasn't terrible when he had the opportunity at certain points. So maybe in that San Francisco offense with all that talent around him, we know he's got the tools. Could the mental game get over the hump to pass out a Brock Purdy or Trey Lance, depending on how this falls? I saw the report, the little blurb that the ball came out. He was going up, going to throw in the ball, just popped out. And it's like, can we attribute that to the shoulder? Is that an ongoing problem? Are you buying into Sam Darnold as a guy that could potentially step in? Would you move an early 24 third for Sam Darnold? 12-team super flex, two PPR tight end? I think I would definitely if my quarterback situation wasn't stellar or, you know, looking for that opportunity, but he's like a handcuff running back. And we know what they could do if given the opportunity to start the value they could have, whether you need them in your lineup or you're looking for a trade tool later on, he does get the opportunity to start. You'll recoup that third and more. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, I would say, you know, from a, a retained value scenario where they're currently valued, I would say Brock Purdy, 50 to 60% chance to maintain his current value in one year with a good amount of that being a slight uptick because he comes in and produces. And Dan, if you're not watching live right now, if you're not watching on YouTube, Dan's not paying attention to anything I'm saying. He is glowing because there's George Pickens conversations in the chat. So I can say whatever right now and get away with it. I throw the penalty flag. You're you're doubting my multitasking abilities here, JB. I can enjoy a little George Pickens hype while listening to your analysis of 60% chance of Purdy panning out. But that is enough for me to say I would want Sam Darnold because it's not one of those quarterback situations where it's like, you know, Lamar Jackson and you need some crazy injury like for for Huntley to even see the field. Mm -hmm. Like there's a decent chance Sam Darnold could see that field. Yeah, um, and I think best case scenario, I mean, but if you're the 49ers and we're not going to spend too much more time on the Niners here, but if you're the 49ers and you were just in a situation where you may believe that you only fizzled out of the playoffs last year because you didn't have a quarterback to throw in there, why not keep all three just in case? Yeah, especially if you have one. I want I want to hedge my bets and, and know and if I'm going to have a quarterback. If you're only going to get a fourth or fifth for Trey Lance, that's a nice insurance policy to keep on your roster if anything were to come up. And we know if San Francisco is good for anything, it's players getting injured constantly. Yeah. Even in a 12 team league, JB, we got at least one guy on the bottom of our bench that is cut worthy, I think, for a, a Sam, Sam Darnold type. 
Kyle in the chat says, to be fair to Dan, I tuned out once Darnold was brought up. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. We don't want people to tune out of the Sam Darnold conversation. The Eagles running back situation. A lot of moving parts here, Dan, and I know this is the Eagles, so it's tough for you, but hide that star behind you. Forget about the Dallas Cowboys. We have Miles Sanders leaving. DeAndre Swift, they trade for him. Rashad Penny, they sign him in free agency. You still have Gainwell. You have Boston Scott. You have Trey Sermon. Are any of these guys going to produce to the levels that you're going to feel comfortable with in your fantasy lineup here in 23? I think two of them are. And one's just kind of getting back on the radar now because we're seeing he's healthy. But in this dynasty offseason, best ball offseason especially, I've been really high on DeAndre Swift. As much as I have disdain for the Philadelphia Eagles when money's on the line, if all things are equal and, you know, there's a DeAndre Swift share there available for me. And and now even Rashad Penny, where we're seeing he's kind of, you know, in that game plan. I think he's him and Swift. Have, I've seen first or second team reps. They're, they're, they're both getting some heavy volume. Um, I just love that Eagles O-line. I love that Eagles offense. You know, the, the, the passing game is going to keep the pressure off the run game. They have everything they need for everything to click on that offense. So, you know, Swift, I like for the passing game work. And then I, I think, you know, this is an offense that could support too. You know, the only maybe – it wouldn't be a deterrent from taking either of them. But if we're looking to, to trade or something, you know, the Eagles could always be a little bit of a pain in our side with, you know, Gainwell or Scott uh, seeking, sneaking in there and, and taking away a touchdown during a game. I mean, we're, we're even seeing Trey Sermon looking a little bit more decisive entering his third year. And again – it's kind of talking about the, the episode premise in general. Are we buying the hype? Now, for me, digging in a little bit, looking at what the Eagles did last year, they had 61 targets to all of the running backs combined, Dan. 61. And I know we all get excited whenever we hear reports that, hey, this running back is going to run out of the slot. This running back's really going to be used in the passing game. But looking at it from this specific team here, 61 targets to all running backs last year in seven in 14 games last year. DeAndre Swift had 70 targets for the Lions, 70 in 14 games by himself. So I, there's going to be question marks around the way he's utilized. Does he get usage in the passing game? Yeah, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to not explore opportunities to move off of him, but that kind of comes with the territory of running backs in general. You know, uh, if you're able to pivot, you look at the tiers, you're able to pivot and get a plus. That's something I'm typically looking to do. But the overall volume available for these running backs in the passing game is going to be a concern. Now, on the ground, you mentioned Rashad Penny. Last year, 4.23 yards after contact per attempt. Out of 67 running backs with at least 50 carries, that ranked number one. Penny was number one in breakaway percentage. And Swift was number eight. So you have two explosive running backs when healthy behind arguably the best offensive line in the game. So best offensive line uh, perceived more opportunity because it's a high powered offense, but you have the Russian quarterback and Jalen hurts. That certainly is going to vulture touchdowns along the way. So it's kind of finding that balance. I just, there are concerns for me from the passing game, the, the, really overall touchdown upside and both backs just not necessarily being healthy most of the time. I can't yeah. even say most of the time. 
the the health concerns jb would probably be the the biggest concern that would bring me back down to earth because of the you know that's a track record that no coach could necessarily change you know maybe the strength and conditioning coaches in philly are special we'll see um i think you know that change of pace hopefully keeps each other healthy with, with their rotation but the pass game work is the camp hype that i am buying you know there, there's the stuff we're sorting and putting to the side i think there's been some reliable sources within that organization that follow the team and really believe, you know, they followed DeAndre Swift's history. They want to do more of that. He's the kind of guy they want to do that. And I think the Eagles to, to continue to, you know, make some adjustments in that NFC East need to find that not being a Dallas Homer. I think their pass rush is going to be immense. How do you stop a pass rush? You've got to be able to use those running backs in the screen game, you know, as your outlets. And I think that's where DeAndre Swift comes in there. So, but the injuries will be the one thing to keep me kind of nervous. And I'll add one thing, JB too. We talked, we might like Gainwell, Scott Sermon in a 14 or 16 team league. If you're in a deeper league, that's where I'm really closely watching what the Eagles are doing. Does somebody get cut? Does somebody get traded? Um, you know, Trey Sermon might become relevant if they move somebody because there are people are saying, hey, he looks good. We just know he's right. like buried fifth in the depth chart. But I just recommend dynasty owners that are in deeper leagues, watch the situation. So later on, if something happens, an injury, someone's cut or traded, you could pounce. Yeah, it's a comment in the chat about Gainwell at the cost, given the injury history of Penny and Swift. That's that's who Kyle likes. And he seems to be the next guy up, JB. There, there's people yeah, that yeah. really like Gainwell, the, the other Eagles backs. And I can appreciate that. You know, I just, even last year with Miles Sanders not really being utilized in the passing game, Miles Sanders was dead last of all running backs, at least 25 targets at 0.29 yards per route run. I don't have to tell you, Dan. That's not good. Gainwell was at 0.88 yards per route run, number 34. Swift, one of the best in the league at 1.65. If if they did not bring in DeAndre Swift, I would feel far more comfortable with Gainwell. But somebody that you want to get thrown into larger trades, sure. Would I would I move a third for him? I would not. You know, and I, I I think that's kind of the allure of of Rashad Penny right now. You can get him, and I'm I'm looking at some of the trades that are done there on uh, fantasy football, uh, calc, fantasy, fantasy calc, mixing my names up here. There's all kind of fantasy football calc. calc, Um, Dan's not paying attention to me. It's fine. I'm waiting for you to spit out the stats, stats, JB, while you're doing that. I'm I'm looking to see if I'm making some trades here. No, no. So what I was saying was that the trades that I'm seeing on there on fantasycalc.com they're they're not like a one for one swap for penny or a pick for penny it's him being included as part of a larger deal uh let me throw some deandre swift trades at you really quick all right dan whatever let let's it fly see. jb let's do I, I, let's I do, do like a little swift this game. year even let's, though he's an eagle let's see let's see 12 team super flex deandre swift and jimmy garoppolo or aaron Rodgers. Oh, Swift and Garoppolo. Uh, I'm trying to like. There's so some of these are. Uh, so although I'm, like, I'm nervous about Garoppolo, and I like Rogers a lot better, but he's 40. Give me that Swift value, and Garoppolo will get enough production for a year while you're pulling up that next trade. DeAndre Swift and a third for Nick Chubb. I love me some Nick Chubb, man. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I would I would gladly take Chubb there. Health you know, history, another good team. Yeah, I just just 
yeah, too much, he's too much dude. consistency there from Chubb. Uh, so Swift, Swift or 24 first. I, that's a smash for me. 24 first. I agree. But, it, but again, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a broken record. It just comes down to the running back position. I, um, I give up the 24 first. I want a guy that I know I'm going to be confident in for two, three years, at least Swift. I don't know, you know, beyond he still needs to prove it. There can be so many running backs there. All right. So let's talk about, we got some running backs and wide receivers in the next spot here, Kansas city wide receivers. Let's talk about them first to break up some of the running back conversations. Sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony, MVS, Rasheed Rice, Richie James, Justin Watson, Justin Ross. Anybody stand out to you, Tony? He's a little dinged up. Sky Moore hype is off the charts right now. It's a little bit of a hot mess, that situation. And I keep going back and forth. And I think the key thing to remember is Travis Kelsey is their number one wide receiver. Even though he's a fantasy tight end, he is their number one wide receiver. So then you're asking yourself, who's going to be there? Two, three. We know they spread the ball around. Only guy moving up. I've been high on Sky Moore all offseason. So I'm either trying, I was trying to gobble up Sky Moore when I can't get Tony because Tony was, you know, his ADP was higher this offseason. Everyone was drinking the, you know, that, that upside. I still like Tony. Still gets me nervous with that injury history. But as much as we kind of bashed Rasheed Rice a few episodes ago, not seeing that window since then, Tony got hurt. Rice is starting to get all this volume and catches. So he's rising a bit for me there. Um, After that, I mean, Justin Ross is still, you know, was the guy who was supposed to be a first-round pick at one time. And injuries, he had that injury bug. If he could be a guy that just stays healthy and could show he's done with that, um, he could sneak into that. But then again, you, you just worry how much they spread the ball, JB. So, Yeah, that's going to – we always talk about – we like the teams that funnel their targets to to a limited number of options. That certainly is not going to be the Kansas City Chiefs outside of Travis Kelsey. And looking at at some of these guys, you know, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony on Fantasy Calco and wide receiver 47-48, I think that's just a – bit too high i don't think it's egregious i uh, you know pivot opportunities i would take jacoby myers plus 100 percent. I'm, I'm, t- I'm high on jacoby myers this year by the way uh, i would take brandon cooks plus high on cooks i think both those guys could have really good years i would take rondell Moore plus are you still with me rondell i'm starting to get a little iffy that, that's where i'd rather be watching those kansas city games on sunday all right, so right right here, like I would not be looking again, I'm a slightly below market on both of those receivers in Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony. Uh Kyle hit the nail on the head, wide receiver by committee in Kansas City. Yeah, his MBS isn't going away either, by the way. Not this year anyway. Cost versus production in 23. That's the guy I want right there. MVS. Right. Put him on I, my rosters. <laughs> I have actually gotten him thrown into to larger trades. I and a few startups i've scooped him super late i mean if it doesn't pan out from a short-term perspective who cares you're not really losing anything uh i just think there's it would it would be a remarkable jump in from year one to year two production if sky more became really fantasy relevant you know and i i could see eight to ten i could see eight to ten points per game in ppr I think we're going to have some splash games. We're going to have some quiet games. And I don't want to sit here and preach consistency because give me the upside. But I I, st- I don't think the within the range of outcomes, 
I think it is more likely than not that Sky Moore, you know, his value is not higher a year from now than it is today. I'm really interested, I believe that. I'll be really interested to watch those guys' health throughout the year, too. You know, we go back to last year, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Jarek McKinnon. They always seem to be those gadget guys in the red zone, whoever's healthy, whoever's hot. So if somebody's out, that might raise the, the, the you know, ceiling a little bit. But with the volume spread around, JB, you're, you're probably right. And I mean, Rasheed Rice, it falls in the same bucket. I think he's a little bit cheaper. You know, it's funny. I was reading some some final 53 projections for the Chiefs, and it was one of their their beat reporters. And initially, they had Justin Ross not making the final roster. They had six wide receivers making the cut. And then I think it came out today, their 2.0 version, and they said, I don't know how you leave Justin Ross off of the roster because of what we've seen throughout training camp. So they have all seven making the the final cut with Richie James and Justin Watson really being utilized in the special teams game. If they get injuries, JB, Richie James, does he not everywhere he goes at some point in time have like that, you know, two, three game stretch where he just catches everything. I like Richie. I mean, he's not, I, I, I like him just as a, a real football player. He becomes DFS relevant at least once a year. Yeah, DFS. Come on. Come on. It's a dynasty winner, too, if you need a flex, you know? Sure, sure. So, I, I, like I said, I still think Sky Moore, Tony, Rasheed Rice, until we are proven, until we are shown otherwise, I'm not looking to invest in these wide receivers. Uh, Again, it would take a tremendous uptick for Sky Moore to be productive for fantasy purposes. Kyle says, if you could, first of all, Kyle, love the engagement in the chat. Love it. Uh, if you could guarantee health, I think Justin Ross has the highest pedigree with his size and speed. Yeah, I mean, you if you could guarantee his his health, like Dan said, he would have been a first-round draft pick. You know, the talent's not the question. It's... I think just for dynasty between Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice, especially, and then Justin Ross, if, if, you know, the stars are aligned, they're the youngest guys that, Hey, if you could get them connected to Patrick Mahomes for a long time, they could be nice to have on your roster. Ross, obviously the long shot. But again, he's not somebody that gravitates toward, towards one receiver. Now, if Travis Kelsey misses time, we're going to see that offense completely take a different form. But And you're, you're right, JB. My thought is though, if one guy just develops and takes that next step, I don't want to get stuck in that stereotype of it's always just to spread it around. You know, I'm hoping what bet on talent, one guy right rises and becomes better than the rest. I mean, is it betting on talent or is it betting on situation again? I mean, it, well, we don't want to avoid the situation because they spread it around. Well, if they weren't tied to Patrick Mahomes, if Sky Moore were anywhere else with last year's production, he would be worth significantly less. He'd be oh, wide yeah. receiver 70, 80 territory. But because he's tied to Patrick Mahomes, he is bolstered. He is inflated for that hope, right? And again, you just hope that second year wide receiver takes that next jump. Andy Reid's giving him good praise in camp. So, so are you going out to acquire him then? I have acquired Sky Moore this offseason. At what price? Do you remember offhand? I, that I do not because it was a little bit, I think, later in the offseason. But wherever I could get them, whether it's startup drafts, shade, trade at a fair value, or, you know, dare I say best ball, JB, I've, I've been looking at Sky Moore as wide receiver two on that team after Travis Kelsey. 
Sky Moore. So it's so funny because Sky Moore, wide receiver, 47, Tony, 48, Rasheed Rice, 49, former chief, Juju, 50. Like they're all just back to back to back. Um, I don't know if you had to pick one, let's say cost is in, in the equation. They're all the same cost. They're all right there. Would you go Sky Moore? Over the other? Over the other two Chiefs. If we're looking at the top three. Oh, yeah. He's my he's my lead Chiefs receiver. Yeah. Again, I I don't think it's likely necessary, necessarily. But out of the three, ignoring cost, I would go with Sky Moore over the other two options. I Tony's a head case. All right. He's not, he can't stay healthy. And I'm not saying a player is injury prone, but the dude can't stay on the field. Uh, and Rasheed Rice, I, I think he's bolstered because of the situation as opposed to his uh, collegiate profile necessarily. So, yeah. And that's the thing. I'm not just guessing on them, JB. I think I shared in a past Dynasty Theory episode, you know, a, a, a former kid I, that coached with me at Lackawanna was in, uh, coached Kadarius Tony in New York and just he struggled getting the Giants playbook so I think there's a little bit of that football IQ on top of the injuries you know he he's he's the boomer bust we just love his freak athleticism and, but then when you look at Sky Moore versus Rice I think back to watching their film plus there's some people you know that I respect in the industry that also were high on Sky Moore there's just more there than Rasheed Rice and then the risk of Tony so he, he's the guy and then Andy Reid's kind of endorsing it too this offseason which is good yeah, Andy Reid endorses everybody. But it was All the right. way he endorsed it. I, I, I like read the words like looking at facial expressions, JB. Like it was just, you know, he, he was talking about the kind of guy he is and the way he does things. Like it's just, there's something there. Yeah, sure. All right, looking at running back. <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco, a little banged up. He's not practicing right now. Giving an opportunity. Daenerik Prince is the one that's making the most uh, use of his opportunity, I think. Uh, we know Jarek McKinnon, what he is. You know, last year, McKinnon, he ran the seventh most routes of any running back throughout the regular season. Weeks 13 to 17, he is the definition of what you look at when you think of league winner. Those five weeks, he was running back 17, running back one, running back one, running back 19, running back seven. So three top seven weeks uh, when you would have been gearing up towards the fantasy playoffs and then the final week being the championship, the running back seven. So Jared McKinnon, I mean, he, another one, get him thrown into bigger deals and he is not expensive. If you can if, scoop him up off of a team that, that might have him lingering, they are not looking to contend. They want to shed some points from their roster. And then at cost, you know, I think CEH and generic Prince, they're all, I mean, they're they're cheap enough, too, to take a shot. Yeah, I agree. McKinnon's another guy I've been eyeing up situationally on those contending rosters. Um, just, I've been trying to just really gobble up Kansas City Chiefs running back, trying to, you know, because everybody has Pacheco. So then all those other backs kind of just slide in drafts and you get them at such a value. And, and Pacheco's the one at cost I don't want. Same, same. I have zero Pacheco, and I've got plenty shares of McKinnon, CEH, I've gobbled up a little bit of Daenerys Prince where I could. I was a little bit later on that one. Um, and then Pirine is still there too, JB. JB, it's kind of like an Eagles situation. Like, yeah, he's there, the Michael Pirine. I mean, Jets liked him. I mean, do they cut him? Is he a 
<laughs> the, the Jets liked him. Yeah, they cut him, but man, they liked him. Yeah, Listen, saying. he's no. He's Kansas no City Sam- picked him up in the offseason early. I don't know if they like him or want him or what they're Listen, doing. Listen, he's no Samaje, okay? <laughs> That's the P Ryan that right there. True. Uh, but yeah, it cost uh, Isaiah Pacheco. Actually, he 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 has finally fallen to the point that I wouldn't label him as a sell anymore. Uh, but again, it's it's the CEH bad taste in your mouth. You know, are we going to see any of these running backs do enough on a weekly basis? I mean, even Pacheco, look at what he did last year but there wasn't much involvement in the passing game. So even if he popped off 70, 80 yards, if he didn't find the end zone, you weren't happy with that week. And out of all of them, just like I said, I want MVS at cost as a a weekly flyer uh, for short-term production. Jarek McKinnon is going to be the same thing. And I'm looking to get him thrown into larger deals. I mean, beyond that, I, I don't have much more to say about this backfield. There are, they're all just a cluster, and I hate to say it, but we need injuries somewhere. For CH there to be is a, a free agent, too, and he's been running first team a lot. You know, I think they do manage McKinnon. That's the one thing I'll say because he's been another injury kind of guy. Well, McKinnon is is being managed. Pacheco is an active, right? Like, he's not he's not practicing. So, see, yeah, he's getting first team reps by default. But he might take advantage of them. I think Daenerys Prince has taken more advantage of his opportunities up to this point than CEHS. True. And it's another Twitter hype you kind of believe because Kansas City's got a reputation for this finding these kind of guys. Yep. So it's going to be interesting. I think you just gobble his bit. Whoever you could get cheat. It's like uh, throwing spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. Chicago Bears running backs. Roshan Johnson. It sounds like he's getting a lot of praise and hype in the pass blocking area i know that gets you I all like excited that. i get a little hot bothered uh, by that do you think deontay foreman's being a little bit undervalued by the dynasty community and from the uh redraft or best ball i i think this is going to be a scenario where all three kind of cannibalize each other's production here in the short term i think he was being undervalued i think there probably are still some people in certain leagues that are sleeping on foreman so i think if you could grab them on the cheap because someone's sleeping at the wheel you do um myself included and for a while this offseason historically i've been a rosha uh, sorry a, a foreman guy uh, I've, I've drafted him throughout the years or traded for him and he, he's always found a way to be productive uh but you know we're seeing him run some first team reps or put you know really splitting it you know down the middle with herbert and i kind of like them both to a degree and i think this is a team that they're going to try to contend early, although I think people are a little too high on the Bears because this team was just terrible a year ago. Um, but I think it's Herbert and Foreman until that window opens for Roshan. I don't think they're going to rush him. So I think he's just got to temper expectations early on Roshan. And Foreman's got a history of getting banged up. Herbert's not the biggest dude. I, I think at some point, you know, it'll be Roshan time. And, and I just forget about Travis Homer. He means nothing on the Travis fantasy Homer. radar. He means nothing to me. Oh, my God. That was aggressive. All right. Well, we'll be very quick here. What would be your preferred move here with this backfield? Let's forget about Roshan for a second. Would you rather move a 24 third for Deontay Foreman or a 24 second for Khalil Herbert? I'd rather the third for Foreman because I, I value that second next year higher than Herbert. Um, I like Herbert more than Foreman, you know, a little younger, a little shinier toy in dynasty, 
Uh, but I, I don't see myself trading a second next year and a draft that I'm really excited about where I, I think fantasy production this year is going to be pretty darn close between those two. Yeah, I, I think the play in a situation like this, again, ignoring Roshan because I think he has the widest range of potential values. If you're looking at it for this year and you have a decision to make and you're looking at either Deontay Foreman or Khalil Herbert, Maybe maybe this is a situation where we don't have to be proactive because the price to acquire probably isn't going to change all that much. So if you see it is a very evenly split backfield, just go acquire the cheaper one. If you see there's an injury to Deontay Foreman and Herbert is getting uh, a bulk of the work there, how much more expensive than a 24 second is he going to be? Probably not much more expensive. So I think a scenario like this where the range of outcomes from a value perspective isn't going to swing drastically from a ceiling viewpoint, I think that's where you might be, hey, let's not be super aggressive right now as we're sitting here in August and let's see how it plays out because it's not going to, it's not really going to hurt me all that much. So that is the ultimate John Bauer price dependent move. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen. I like to be I like to be aggressive in my leagues. I, I have my tiers. I have my guys that are in red and green. Uh, I'm super aggressive one way or the other. I'm out there being proactive. But in a situation like this, where you know maybe you have a lukewarm stance, you don't need to be super aggressive, and you can kind of see how it plays out. All right. All right. All right. Let's see here. I wanted to talk about running back two opportunities and we'll go through this kind of quickly. Listen, I got, I got some steaks downstairs. I'm firing up the grill after this. I can smell them from here in Scranton, man. Yeah. I got a little ribeye. I got a strip steak. Hopefully Mitch doesn't hear that because he critiques me in the way I make my steaks. He yelled at me the one day. Sorry, yeah, he's like a professional uh, griller there, man. He's got the, the nice setup. Yeah, God yeah. forbid. God forbid I don't do it the way <laughs> Mitch says. Oh, God. All right. We all know Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson in New England. He's their running back one. They've had a few visits. Maybe Zeke goes there. I don't know. As it stands today, what backup are you running? Or what you get now? I'm just thinking about the stakes. I can't even talk. <laughs> What backup running back are you targeting? Pierre Strong, Ty Montgomery, Kevin Harris. Uh, sorry, J.J. Taylor. We're going to leave you off of this one. This is the one running back situation. I love Ramondre. You know that. They signed I, – I truly believe they're going to sign somebody. I mean, they've been looking pretty hard. They had Zeke in. They had Darrell Henderson in. They had Lenny in. I mean, they're looking. I think they're just in the cook sweepstakes still, so they're a little slow to sign somebody else. Grills is all they have in Utah. That's a good point there. Um, so for me, JB, I, I really don't want any of these guys. Um, like right now I'm reading those reports of Kevin Harris and I, I'm just, it's one of them. I'll just keep an eye on if I could get something for free and it's better than my last spot in my roster. I might take it. Um, I might have a Pierre strong share or two somewhere in a very, very deep leagues, maybe a time on deep leagues, but I, I don't want any of them. I'm not, I wouldn't recommend any of them now to our viewers, unless we know for sure New England's not bringing in running back. But if I'm a betting man, they are. That's another one. I would kind of hold off and just wait because there's been too many visits, like you said. And maybe they are waiting to see that first domino fall, which is Dalvin Cook. Where does he end up? 
I mean, Ty Montgomery, he has those spikes weeks. He has that, that involvement in the passing game, but he's already dinged up. Already. Nope. Couldn't even wait to the season this time. Uh, Greg in the chat says Ty Montgomery has been a free pickup for me. Yeah, I mean, he's still out there. I, I think he's on waivers in a good amount of league still. If I were exploring any of the guys right now at their current cost, at their perceived upside, for me, it comes down to their involvement in the passing game and the ability to stay on the field when called upon. Sorry, Montgomery. But I would go with Pierre Strong. There now listen, listen, take this with a grain of salt because the the size, the sample size here is so small. But it was interesting. I want to throw it at you. He Pierre Strong was targeted on 32% of his routes last year. Again, not many routes, so don't get overly excited there. Stevenson was targeted on 26%, Damien Harris 23%. Stevenson was at 1.24 yards per route run. Pierre Strong at 1.91. He is, you know, being targeted at a higher rate than anybody else in that backfield. Would that come down with more more of a sample size? Certainly. But again, I just thought it was interesting. Kevin Harris last year, 2.9 yards per carry on limited opportunity, only 18 carries. So again, take it all with a grain of salt. But I think Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris, I think they kind of combine for the workload uh, and pick up maybe what Damien Harris left off. But I also think that the Patriots don't want to run Ramondre Stevenson into the ground the way they did last year. I think he, there were even reports saying he, he would like to be used less. And, uh, you know, I think that's just going to be good for his longevity, especially if they do bring in like a Zeke that could spell him in those grinder situations not have to run him up the gut, get Zeke in there on pass pro. But for me, with a, any potential upside, I think it would it would take a Ramondre Stevenson injury. But out of that group, I would take Pierre Strong. But I again, I would wait to see what happens here and if any of these free agent running backs are landed. I, I'd second that, JB. He, he'd be the best stash no matter what. I'm going back into my notes of the draft from a few years ago, and I had Pierre Strong ranked around the Tyler Algiers and the Zamir Whites, and I liked his film a little bit. And New England's pretty good at picking these guys. He's flashed, so I like that. All right, Minnesota. It's another fairly interesting backfield being led by Alexander Madison. They also have Ty Chandler, Kane Wong-Wu, Dwayne McBride. <laughs> it is bell cow madison uh, season baby can, can i tell you why i'm pausing and like what i'm thinking about the way i pronounced wong Wu. i think that's correct <laughs> i i'm i even put like Wong-woo. the phonetic spelling like how i would say it now i'm like did i did i still mess up? i think the emphasis was on the wrong syllable syllable is that another one too no, that was on purpose. Syllable, syllable. Oh, okay. You've never heard that? Come on. Come on. Uh, I know. Listen, listen, I know. Uh, last year, so we're talking about receiving work, at least I am. Alexander Madison last year, he was targeted on 11.4% of his routes. But it's not like he was completely overshadowed by Dalvin's involvement in the passing game. He was only at 12.9%. I think this is now a team that with, with, with the change in scheme and their personnel – it's going to be a heavy dose of Hawkinson, Jefferson, and Addison. I could see all three of those guys combining for like 65% of the targets this year. All right. That doesn't leave all that much available 
for the rest of the team. You know, Dwayne McBride, he was tremendous in college. Granted, it was Conference USA. Five receptions in three seasons at UAB. Again, you don't need to be a data nerd to know that is not great. Uh, I, I think Kane, like I mentioned, he's he's electric as a punt returner, kick returner. So I think he's still going to be a guy that's heavily relied on on special teams. And that leaves Ty Chandler. Um, so out of the options here, I, I, I probably Chandler. This is a backfield, though, that even if, let's say, Madison goes down, well, you know, if Stevenson would have gone down for the Patriots, I could, I could talk myself into Pierre Strong, at least a little bit of sense of excitement. I don't think I get that with Chandler and McBride with their overall uh, uh, portfolio of and resume of work, if you will. Yeah, if something happens to Madison, I, I think the Vikings are hitting the, the free agent wire and see if any of those running backs are still in the market. I'd be really nervous. You're in my head with Dwayne McBride. I mean, he's a seventh-round pick. The whole draft capital thing just kind of comes in. You know, he's obviously can't help him in the pass game. I see him as a guy that might get three to five carries a game just because he could run the ball and, and, you know, spell the guys a little bit. Kane is just a freak athlete mm-hmm. that sort of kind of likes those guys, so he'll be a situational player. But Ty Chandler, I think, is the handcuff to have. Yeah, I he would probably be the one here. Um, and again, like you, you look at these guys and you're thinking, you know, why are we talking about these running back situations? Anywhere, anywhere that the backfield is murky like this, or that running back two spot is wide open. I mean, Jerome Ford is somebody I talked about throughout the offseason, and that really panned out. That worked well. You know, uh, so I'm reading one of the comments here from Kyle Hunt, Cook, Elliot, Fat Lenny, all still unsigned. Uh, this year feels more ambiguous than other years. This far into the offseason, it's hard to get excited about depth chart. And that is why, uh, you know, leading off with and giving that little disclaimer, like with New England, no need to rush into it right now. But after we see how things play out, how the dominoes fall, when the dust settles, that that would be a situation that I would look to explore. Uh, but Ty Chandler, Dwayne McBride, all things equal. I would pick Chandler over McBride as the, the guy to look at there. But again, far less excited. Uh, John in the chat says Denver's looking for players, mostly receivers, I think, but still. Uh, Seattle, Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet, they're banged up. 84 targets to running backs last year. As you can see in these situations, I'm focusing on the guys that would have potential upside involvement in the passing game. Not those first and second uh, down grinders that are just going to plug along here. Are you looking at DJ Dallas or Kenny McIntosh? I'm definitely looking at Kenny McIntosh. Um, I know I should have, I didn't need to ask. Go dogs, baby. You know it. But no, I I, I love him in Georgia, man. He's just versatile and these kids just all heart. Um, I think he's all in and he's healthy. They're they're giving this kid an opportunity here. I think DJ Dallas is just that depth role player that every team has. So I don't see any upside there whatsoever. So give me, give me Kenny McIntosh all day. You know how I, I'm not one to shy away from completely going nuts on the waiver wire, right? Oh, yeah. When you're in, you're in. Kenny McIntosh. I'm not even really in on Kenny McIntosh, but 
you know, too much agreeing on this episode, but I do agree with you <laughs> that he's the one. DJ Dallas earning 8.5% targets on uh, routes run last year, 84 targets for the entire team. Kenny McIntosh, I think he's more of a well-rounded back, didn't really do much from a testing standpoint, but 43 receptions last year at Georgia. He's shown the ability to be able to, to work on the ground as well. And if Walker and or Charbonnet, we have the the groin for Walker and the shoulder for Charbonnet that you don't like to hear the word in, out indefinitely. And that's what we're hearing for Charbonnet. I, McIntosh is a guy. I talk about the waiver wire. I, I got a couple 30% bids out there right now. He's still available on some of the 12 team, 28 players per roster. And I, I plan on throwing some heavy bids in just to see if anything were to happen with Walker Charbonnet and there are setbacks. Uh, John in the chat says Dallas has to sign a running back. We're going to Dallas. Hold on. Hold on. And really all these teams we're talking about right now for these backfield depth charts, they're teams that should be exploring these free agents. Uh, Lenny Hunt. Zeke, Dalvin, obviously. All right, Indianapolis Colts. The whole Jonathan Taylor saga is just, whew, it really went sideways the last few days. Uh, Zach Moss broke his arm. He's out, what, at least six weeks? So that leaves the door open for Evan Hall, the Funk Master, Jake Funk, and Deion Jackson. I like I like Evan Hall. I like Deion Jackson. Maybe we disagree for the first time on show. Now, I would have much preferred Evan Hall not land. Like, my favorite later-round running back, Evan Hall, based on collegiate production and profile, my favorite late-round tight end, Will Mallory, they all go to a situation where you have a rushing quarterback that's a rookie that very well might not throw all that much. And if he does it, it might not be accurate. And I was like, come on, man. But Evan Hall, I, I things really could have opened become wide open for these guys. Deion Jackson, I think he is a he's a volume dependent back. We've seen that in the past. But yeah, the, I, things opened up. We could have a Hall and Jackson one two punch, <laughs> uh, I, which scares me. There, it, it, it takes away all the excitement we all have in Indianapolis. You know, if I know. you're buying Twitter hype, you know Anthony Richardson's making throws. They've got very talented wide receivers. You got a new coaching staff in there. You know, they they got an O line that's decent. It's got some question marks. You want to have the run game set, and then this JT drama just it, it's mind boggling. Their owner's crazy. Zach Moss is as concerning as your number two to start with. And now he's hurt. Right. Um, Deion Jackson, I guess the reason I brought him up was I, I think I remember last year in another league, I was busting somebody. Like, What's he doing on your roster? And then someone got hurt and he went off on a, on a little mini tear. Um, and then Evan Hall, what round was he drafted? And is he another like seventh? Yes. No, he's a fifth rounder. That's still, you know, past that fourth round no, JV value there. Yeah. It's still you day know? three. And again, he, he's one of my most roster players uh, for, for rookies at least. But I mean, Looking at some of the games here, last year, week six against Jacksonville, Deion Jackson got the start, 12 carries, 42 yards, found the end zone, but 10 receptions, right? So obviously, you know, great opportunity there and took advantage of it, especially in the receiving game. Week nine, 11 carries, 23 yards. If he's not getting the volume, especially in the receiving game, he's not really going to be relevant. So that's why we go Evan Hall. 
Kyle, you, you seem as certain as some of the guys in the discord, 0% JT gets traded or sits out. We'll see how it plays out. I don't want to say it's 0% for anything just because we have seen some crazy things happen. It's like we're True. watching a reality show. You know, like uh, this is clearly scripted, if you will. Anything's but, possible in Indianapolis. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ursay is just, he, he's gone mad. You know, uh, some of the guys in the chat today, they were sharing old tweets from Jim Ursay. It's like, oh, come on. Wow. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor, I would think there's a better chance than not. He is an Indianapolis Colt throughout the 23 season. With that said, there's probably a trade in the works. And as soon as we sign off here today, he'll be a Kansas city chief. So it will completely destroy this conversation. It will destroy our Jarek McKinnon conversation. That's all right. That's (laughs) all right. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Tampa Bay, anything behind Rashad white intriguing to you? JB to me, this is the John Bauer backfield. Like, I don't know how you are not just putting Rashad White and Keyshawn Vaughn on every roster you got. Like, just go all in hey, on I was I was a Chase Tampa. Edmonds guy, too. That's a little over the top, but if you want to go all, all in, you know, why not? But, I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn used to be your beer boy. He could be a late bloomer in a, in a situation where they have no one else behind him. Um, Rashad White, I like. Um, I, I'm out on Chase Edmonds. I'm definitely out on Patrick Lard. Um, you know, I think Chase is just that situational guy that could catch some balls. Well, what about Sean? What about Sean Tucker? He's he's there too. You know, I, he 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 was medically cleared pre-draft before all the stuff started coming out that he he might slip because of some some medical issues. He checked every box for me, and I was so disappointed to see him go undrafted. Yeah. You know, but great news that he was cleared, and I think this is the type of backfield where he can really make make way for himself. I'm still hesitant and reluctant just because we don't have all the details regarding the, the medicals. Um, you know, I've seen it's a heart thing. Uh, but if you're, if you're in a backfield with Keyshawn Vaughn and Chase Edmonds is a very good opportunity <laughs> that you could beat them out. But my reason for liking Rashad white really is his involvement in the passing game. This team's going to be playing from behind. I think he's just going to get pepper with targets out of the backfield. Uh, but yeah, Sean Tucker, if you're taking a shot on any of them, I actually think Tucker from a value perspective, he's probably, let's see here, Sean Tucker, running back 76, still dirt cheap. Yeah, I've seen him picked up even in a couple leagues here and there. Like if you get him free or easy, he's a good dart throw. Um, and then Rashad White, I think Rashad White's going to have like a James Conner, Arizona type season. If he could just hold up and stay durable, I think he's going to get a lot of volume. And then we'll who? see what Keyshawn could take from him. Wait, who was the name? Rashad White. I, I, all I, I was reading something. I heard James White. I was like, did they sign James? No, White? I said he had. A, I, I could see a James Conner type season from him, which is volume in Arizona because there's, you know, who's behind yeah. him. Yeah, that, that's just a case of me trying to read something and then, you know, and I'm talking about you multitasking right? and ignoring me. Wow, thanks, JB. All right. Last last team here. I know we went through these very quickly, but again, free agent signings. And I would say Tampa Bay probably the least likely to sign one of these free agents. I don't agree. You, I just don't agree. see them even contending. I mean, maybe they surprise us, but we're not hearing anything. I don't see them. I think they believe in Keyshawn as their number two. They signed Chase Edmonds for a reason. Lard's a reliable vet, you know, veteran. We saw what he could do in Miami. And then you got Sean Tucker. And I'm actually, as I think about this list, and that, you know, accidentally brought up Arizona because of James Conner. 
that's probably another one. You have Keontae Ingram behind him, Corey Clement, Tyson I, Williams. I, I like that fits in the mold of these teams. I like Ingram as a number two option there. If anything were to happen in James Conner, uh, and I think he would be a volume dependent play. And he flashed again, last year, but, but again, these are all running backs. And the reason that we're talking about running backs, anytime we see an injury, even the bad running backs, if they get thrust into that number, uh, number one spot based on opportunity, I mean, you can go back and look at some Deion Jackson trades from last year when JT was out, you know, it, it happens every single year. And we see a, a larger spike and, and movement or just use them as a, uh, plug and play option on your own team compared to later round wide receivers that even if they do produce a little bit here and there based on opportunity, we don't really see any spike in value or opportunity for them to, to move it all on your dynasty team. Uh, Dallas Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn, Rico or Rojo who is suspended two games because of PEDs that he didn't know was going into his body. You, you know, I'm all over this Dallas running back situation, and it's like uh, one that's frustrating. You know, I'm still getting over the heartbreak of Zeke. Love Pollard. Um, but behind Pollard, like, these are all running backs for the most part. Deuce Vaughn, we could talk about a little bit. But these are all running backs that are just your average Deion Jackson, Patrick Lard, like guys that just fill a roster. Now Dallas is asking one of them to be a number two running back. So I know they like Malik Davis. I know they like Rico Dowdle. I will say last year before Dottles injury, they liked him more than Malik. So if he's a hundred percent healthy, I could see him being the surprise guy that you could probably definitely get for free. Cause everybody's been talking about Malik uh, Davis for a couple of months. Um, Deuce Vaughn has flashed in camp. I know it's Twitter hype because everyone's like rooting for this kid, but I'll say one thing that I did see that's encouraging is Mike McCarthy's calling some screen passes to the right. running backs in camp. Kellen Moore didn't do that. I've been frustrated for years with, like you've got Tony Pollard, especially, but even Zeke, like screen to these guys, you know, have Zach Martin lead you up the field and the big lineman that the Cowboys have. So I, I'm encouraged that they're using the screen game. And I think between pass game and screen game work, Deuce Vaughn could be, could be a little sneaky. And I, I am, I, I was out on Rojo when they signed him. His two game suspension has me even more out on him. I, I think he's a guy that if Malik Davis or Rico Dotto got hurt or something, they'll activate Rojo off the practice squad to be their like third or fourth running back. Yeah, it, it certainly looks like Deuce is the one that could be the most intriguing, be the most electric out of those options if anything were to happen to Tony Pollard. And it's going to be, it's going to have to be hyper efficiency, big play appeal, as opposed to, hey, we're going to give this kid 20 to 25 touches. Not even that they would do that with, with Dowdle or Davis, but, you know, anytime we see, situations like this where maybe something were to happen to Pollard. They, they don't have the running back options, especially in the passing game. You generally see an uptick from the tight ends. And somehow I just spun this to Jake Ferguson, baby. All right. <laughs> and I know Mitch would be very upset with me there, but anything else on any of these other backfields? I, you know, it's, I, 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 I don't want to say it's a filler show. But going through training camp conversations, you know, it, it's I know a lot of people are taking some time away right now. It's the summer, uh, but we're right around the right around the corner from real football. 
JB, I think this episode could carry our listeners right through August. Even if there's some free agent moves, we covered every spotty backfield there is. Even in your draft in your home redraft league, I mean, we covered every scenario. So nice work, my friend. Final thoughts. All right, Dan, it's the 212th episode kind of on the feed earlier today. Mitch and I did a guest spot with with Clay over at Dynasty Trades in 5. I dropped that on our podcast feed. So technically 213th episode, but really the 200th, I don't know. Anyway, what do you got for our listeners? Final thoughts. Man, final thoughts. You know, uh, us agreeing so much today, JB. There's plenty of time to disagree in the offseason. But I think the reason is the reason the fantasy football community should follow Dynasty Theory is we've already put in the homework all offseason, JB. So we're going to need some things to happen and to, to get us disagree in the upcoming weeks. But, you know, we're talking about Twitter hype as we looked at these couple episodes we're doing here. And, you know, we see all these guys catching on air for a week or two. And now the pads are on and we're still seeing some nice catches. And I'm sure all those guys will, will do fine this season. But I'm looking for the it factor, JB. And, and just four guys that are just like, ooh, making me like just kind of, you know, <laughs> smile a little extra. And, you hey, know, hey, this is a family-friendly oh, show, I know, Dan. I know. But, JB, hear me here, man. JSN, I, you know, I've been high on that Seattle offense. Like, his catches are just not normal catches. So I'm, I'm really loving me some JSN. You know my boy, boy George Pickens, who's mossing his teammates today. Loving my guy, George Pickens. Stay high on him. Dalton Kincaid, man. Every dynasty hey, redraft. Dal- we're getting to Dalton next week. Oh, God. All right. I'll, I'll hold off, man. But he's the real deal. And then just they're the captain obvious names. One name that's been popping up more this week that I am going to drink the Twitter hype. And my dynasty shares could prove it. because Is I had it Josh all- Downs? It is not Josh Downs, but I do like Josh Downs. You have been like trading him. for him in every single league. He is he is moving up my charts. That definitely. I do like myself some Josh Downs. Um, but Demario Douglas, like I'm telling you, man, this New England guy, like I wish we could put video up right here. He was one of the off-season highlight films that I'm watching this guy and I'm like, who is he? And then he got he, got, he went kind of later, and now all of a sudden, he's catching balls. He's running with the first team. Some GM said he liked him as a third-round value. And just let it be known, my dynasty shares, and I got a lot of them, were all had before any of this hype here, man. I said he was going to be better than Boutte and whoever else. So gobble him if he's there in your league. Man, I didn't think we were going to talk about Demario Douglas like that. You never know on dynasty theory. All right, well, if you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe. Help us out. Uh, like the video, leave a comment if you enjoyed it, what your thoughts are, if you have any questions. If you're in the Discord, remember, uh, or if you're not in the Discord, it's free. So the link's going to be in the episode description. Come over there, hang out with us. Uh, we got the Patreon with additional content, the tiers, the projections, all that good stuff. For Dan LaMagna, Mitch Sorensen, even though he's busy working right now, I'm John Bauer. See you guys next week.